Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode. Before we jump in, I just wanted to quickly say Ramadan Mubarak to all of my Muslim brothers and sisters. Inshallah, this is a blessed month for you all and may you reap all of the benefits. And now on to the episode. Enjoy. Hey, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi How are you? I'm doing good. Does this feel like uh, a little bit like deja vu? <laughs> right? I, I feel like I, I've done this like 13 times with you already. I miss you. I miss you too. It was so funny because, well, not funny. Coincidentally enough, I was looking at my, um, my like uh, archive or like my list of episodes. And I was like, when was the last time when you and you and I did one? I mean, aside from the one that we did that never got posted because it got messed up, but I was looking at, and it was in 2017. That was almost five years ago in March. No, it was not. Yeah. No, we did one after COVID. So wait, this is our fourth time? This is our fourth time. One, two, three. Yeah, this is our fourth time. The second time doesn't really count because it was lost, whatever. But yeah, you know, it's... Um, you uploaded it to your, your podcast. See, I don't even know anymore what's going on. Okay. I. Okay. It's been tough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a tough time. I know. I know. We're, we're all going through it. It's, it's crap. I know. <laughs> But regardless, five times, 10 times, it's always a pleasure to have you and to sit and talk with you. I miss you because I don't, well, aside from COVID not seeing people, I don't see you anymore because you're just so far away. It's not really that far, but you're far away. But how have you been? What's, what's been new with you? What's going on in your world? Um, Alhamdulillah, I've been busy. Um, I'm working on a couple of projects, I guess, one of which... It's, it will be released, inshallah, soon. Inshallah, inshallah. Um, the third book I'm working on as well, and it's in hopefully final editing stages. Um, and then, you know, just the usual here and there, social media marketing, that's taking up the bulk of my time. But I try to kind of block schedule things and just a lot, like the daily routine, um, duties of a mom and a stay-at-home mom and a wife and you know just being me I I don't know how you do it is it easier when when your girls have gotten older now and probably a little bit more independent absolutely absolutely but you know what each um age each phase comes with its own fair share of different like stress so um yeah teenage years have their own kind of fun occurrences happening. Um, so I have a preteen and two teenagers. So that's, that's keeps me busy. Yeah. Well, time has passed. I know. For us all. For us all. And yeah. then COVID makes that like time not exist for some reason. Mm. Yeah. I, f- I find that whenever I'm talking to someone and I want to, I want to say like a few years ago or like a year ago, my mind goes to like 2019. Yeah. So, um, I kind of block out the last two years as if they just didn't exist or something because nothing really happened. So I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't account for that time when I'm talking about when the, when was the last time I've done something or I guess when you can say when life was normal, which is it going to be normal? Like, I don't know anymore. I hear so many things and it kind of worries me because, you know, people say like, we're, this is the new normal. It's going to take years. And I mean, I guess we've adjusted in some way, but does that is that scare you does that thought scare you um it's definitely not the same I feel like some elements are going back to normal but and I feel that and I know we talked about it last time that you don't want to dismiss all the changes that we've made during this like pandemic right so if and when we go back to normal um and I also, I honestly don't think it's going to be 100% pre-COVID, what it was pre-COVID. But 
the changes that we've made, alhamdulillah, I think for the most part are positive ones. Um, however, I don't want to dismiss, and I realize that I've been, when you focus a lot, you hyper-focus on your, you know, your blessings and, and the positive things, and you just end up, and you don't um, take into consideration anything negative that you're going through, you end up burying these feelings and harboring and harboring until something explodes, or you implode at the end of the day. And I've, it's definitely taught me to, you know, acknowledge these feelings. And because I'm very big on, okay, my initial reaction is going to be, alhamdulillah, and it could be worse, you know? And that, so when it does get worse, I block it. I block it. I'm like, I, I'm just like, nope, nope, let's not, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on this instead which is good. It's like a double-edged sword, really. You just have to like realize and acknowledge what you're feeling and deal with your feelings. And that's what like Islam teaches us, you know, and sometimes I just forget about that because I'm like too focused on staying positive. And because I think that's for my own good in the beginning and then it, it happens to not be so. Yeah. Well, I feel like the, um, <clears throat> I feel like the, our entire journey of like trying to find peace or I don't know better um have a better handle of how we experience things good or bad is just going to be a constant struggle of us going back and forth and figuring out what's the right threshold of like being too positive or being too negative or being realistic or being optimistic and so for me it's just like I don't think about Yanni this is the way I've learned the way this worked for me it's more like this is what works for now I don't know what's going to work later but at the end of the day I think the underlying kind of common factor is Dean for me and I've I've had to go through the worst of experiences in my life for me to realize that that is the most common kind of like consistent factor that's helped me everything else is just like extra if that makes sense yeah Yeah, absolutely um when when I find that I anchor myself in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Dean because those are the things that are the only constants in your life Exactly. You know, you can have people, you can have the best support system ever. You can have people you love that are going to be there for you no matter what, but they're still going to disappoint you at some point. So are you, you're, I mean, you will end up disappointing others, you know, so why not expect it out of them? So when you base your happiness and your, um, contentment on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I found that that is the one thing that's always always worked for me so whatever it is that I'm going through if it's something extremely horrible like my my dad passed away a few months ago I mean and it's it helps to just refer it go back to Allah go back to Allah pray make dua you know look at you know Islam how Islam views death and just the Islamic perspective on things is such a beautiful, beautiful um, way to live and way to like, it, it's, it's where you want to turn, at least for me. And that makes me feel just so much better at all times in any, with anything that happens. Yeah, I've learned that what my goal is, is, is to not find solutions to problems. It's not to find necessary like it's not to find happiness necessarily it's to find contentment and peace and I think when I started kind of looking at life in that way because you know you could I I don't know just the absence of peace or having you know fear or anxiety like that feeling of you you just feel like something's going to go wrong or something is going wrong is I mean obviously it's not a good feeling it's not a fun experience but I realize like it's not happiness I'm necessarily looking for um, or even kind of materialistic thing is just peace. I, I've never learned how to value peace so much in my life because you never know when that's going to be. It's almost like health in a way. I mean, peace is, is mental health, but you don't know how much you can appreciate your own health and how you take it for granted until you are tested with, within your, your own health. And so yeah. it's been... Um, it's been a journey. And I, I know that when you're in those experiences, or you're in that situation where you're going through your hardships, it's almost very difficult to see that. 
um, because you're in it. But when you come out of it, you kind of find some some reasons to be grateful for that experience because it's given you perspective that you didn't have before that I feel like, okay, now I, if I was to experience other things, I feel more prepared, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, just find peace. And once you have inner peace, you're good. You don't, I, I believe true happiness is found only in Jannah, honestly, mm-hmm. but as long as you have peace and you're content with whatever life throws at you, and that all stems from your Iman and your, your just reliance and belief in Allah and, and knowing the fact that, you know what, I trust him. He knows what's best for me. And once you internalize that, you start to apply it to everything that comes at you. And you start to think like, okay, so this is, this is pretty tough what I'm going through, but you know what? Allah knows best and he knows that I can handle it. And this is a way for me to either bring myself closer to Allah or stray from Allah. And so when you're dealt with trials, that's how you know something is like a punishment or a test for you is the result. Like what, what has it gotten you? Has it gotten you closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or are you as far away as you can be from Allah? But even when you're far away, you still have a chance. You know, you still have a chance to make up for it. You still have a chance to go back to him. Because, I mean, it's it's just, he's he's always there. And he's always like giving us chance after chance after chance and until the day we die. So, subhanAllah, it's, yeah, that helps. Um, you reminded me of, and I, I just pulled it up. It's a post that... Um... I saw Amalia, Amalia, I think that's how they say it, Amalia.com. And it was this, someone's tweet thread, which it's, I don't know, I really, you know, when you feel like you understand something, but someone somehow was able to put it in better uh, words, like put better words together to describe it. But this person um, said, you know, I struggled for a long time with the idea of like, why would God allow so much suffering and pain? And so he was thinking about, I want to say it's a he. Yeah. Um, what, basically, why do we experience pain? And he's like, the only reason, oh, the only recently, I've only recently come to realize the answer is because it should hurt, it shouldn't, I mean, sorry, it should hurt. It is an age old theological and philosophical question. Why does pain exist? And I spent the better part of two decades thinking about it. And um, anyways, just to summarize, but he says, when you have billions of creatures with free will across the ages, more than enough are bound to do selfish deeds and, uh, and willing to harm others to achieve them. And that's where the pain is necessary. God sent humanity to earth to practice the establishment of justice balanced with love. To become numb to pain is to become mechanical and you end up simply allowing terrible wills to occur because you'll end up too focused on the pragmatic big picture details. Um, He goes on to say, which I'm trying to find the part, um, the surest way to do this is to create a binding force between these creatures so that they uh, they have to put themselves in the shoes of others to recognize the harm, which is empathy. Your tests of pain are also a test of others and vice versa. It's why inaction and spiritual self-neglect in many religious scriptures is is a damnable as open sin and harm. It is refusing the very purpose and nature of us existing on earth. Everything is tied together and we cannot separate ourselves uh, from this connection and say we're truly free. So I just think that that idea of like understanding our purpose and why we're here and always kind of reminding ourselves or going back to this idea that, you know, there the forever is in the akhara and like you said happiness only exists in jannah and certain things that we feel like we're owed i guess in some way in this dunya like you can still strive to be the best you can still strive to find pockets of happiness and be successful and i think you can live a happy life for the most part but it's almost like uh this idea that you know you won't experience pain or you won't be tested through pain through loss through uh, you know, the Quran um, mentions the different ways that people are tested. And so just to, to the idea to think that somehow myself or someone is going to be, they're going to be not taking part in that or somehow they're not going to be tested in that is foolish. I'm not exempt. There you go. That's the word. Sometimes the simplest word slips my mind, but yeah, that they would feel like that th- somehow they would be exempt from, from it or that they should be, because why should I feel sadness and stuff? And yeah, we experience almost the exact same uh, experiences. Obviously, people handle it differently, but who isn't going to live life without experiencing loss, financial struggles, 
uh, mental health issues, insecurities, all of those things. Like we're, we're a lot more similar than not. Yeah. And how else would you really appreciate happiness and being at peace if you hadn't experienced all those things? Exactly. Like I keep saying that if I wasn't, you know, um, if I didn't have MS, I would not, not appreciate or think twice about being able to walk. The blessing of just walking and feeling things and the blessing of seeing things like that, I, I didn't think twice about it before. But after, and when you're threatened with that, then you think like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? I've been taking everything for granted. And subhanAllah, like we truly have countless, countless blessings every single second of every single day that we don't, we don't consider. And if you have never experienced poverty, how do you then appreciate it when you have money? You know, if you've never experienced a loss, how do you then appreciate the people around you that are still there and that you love? So it's just, it not only creates empathy for others, but it makes you, you know, appreciate the blessings even more that you have. What, what do you think? I mean, not everyone thinks like that though, right? Not everyone is going to experience uh you know, the example you brought up of like, you know, your health and MS, not everyone is going to maybe have some, an experience like that and think, you know what, alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm never going to take these things for granted. Or I'm, I'm forever going to be every day reminded of the blessing it is to have just eyesight, you know, waking up and being able to see or being able to walk. Why do you think that some people struggle with that? And, and I know, I know you can't speak for everyone, but like, why is it that some people can, I don't know, um, look at things in a more positive light or, or find the positive in it. And then some people just choose to look at the negative. Um, it takes a lot. I think just like, you know, you develop bad habits through uh, repetition mm-hmm. and the same thing happens with good habits when you, so for instance, for myself, the way I try to stay positive and to keep, stay appreciative and to show my gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not like fall into despair, you know, um, I immerse myself in Islam, whether that's like reading books, listening to lectures, um, doing halaqas, whatever, because as when your faith keeps like you keep building your faith and you keep nourishing your fitrah and you believe that everything happens for a reason and you have complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that's how you you know act in this manner before you know you just um before MS I didn't think about it because you feel like you're it's just a given I'm a human being therefore I'm supposed to walk normally I'm supposed to see everything I'm supposed to mm-hmm. kind of like not like it stems from arrogance or anything but you know it's entitlement. just yeah entitlement kind of like well yeah I better be I mean I don't even think much about it because it's it's like it's like you breathing you don't think about you breathing the same thing with like whatever you can do with your limbs. So, and maybe this is a reason that some people get certain diseases or illnesses because Allah is like, you know what, you, you need to come back to earth. And this isn't, you know, when you see people in, in wheelchairs, when you see people struggling with something, isn't that kind of when you think like, alhamdulillah, you know? We, can, we need constant reminders because we forget. I mean, the root word of uh, the word insan is, it means like forgetful. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're forgetful creatures and we just need constant reminders in our lives to make us grateful and to make us realize like, hey, um, you owe everything that you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because just like... It, he gave it to you in like one second, he can take it all away in the next. So, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when I, um, this was a few Ramadans ago, uh, I took a tafsir course at the Ming Masjid. It was Khala uh, Fawzi Allah Um She subscribed to like the Bayana mm-hmm. TV uh, tafsir courses with Nu'man Ali Khan. And I used to go 
listened to it and I remember there was, or either there was like a lecture or I don't think we were doing exactly tafsir of this ayah, but it was, um, you know, the ayah um, that says, uh, And um, him going through that, you know, God saying and congratulate those that when they face something, a hardship, um, that they say inna lillahi that that you are able to. I guess for me, the way that I look at it is like, if you're able to take something that you've been tried with, tried or, with, yeah, that you're able to find your way back to Allah. Like I always feel like some of these um, hardships are meant to redirect you. So it's like a, you know, a blessing in disguise, a blessing in disguise to redirect you because maybe you were falling off a little bit and you were getting too comfortable and you were thinking, you know. I don't need to be as connected because life is good. And so this allows you to get to a point where you realize you just have a lot of realizations that even when then life gets good again, or you find peace within your situation, you're still able to say, I'm not going to forget what that was like when I was in that, you know, hardship or through that trial and tribulation. So it's one of those things that I think gives me a lot of peace. And obviously I'm not as um, well spoken as when he talked about it but I encourage anyone to just look into that because just simply even the word like and congratulate them because the, the meaning behind that I think is so important because it's 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 a reward in a way you know it's showing that you can react to something and be rewarded for it so again it's it's how we are able to connect our dean you know like i've i've been in therapy i've learned so much from therapy it's great practice i've also have found that like islam prescribes a lot of those things it's not just maybe as direct or it's not as mainstream the way that a lot of things like mindfulness yeah. you know gratitude journaling all of these things um meditation is all prescribed in islam it's just it sounds it just it's called something different you know yeah well, I mean, I think we were also, we, and then we, I mean, like early Muslims were the pioneers of mental health um, treatment, you know? And if you follow, I forgot, it's Dr. Rania. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes, I do yes. know her. And then the new organization that they, they founded. Is it part of the Qalam? Because I know she's part of the Khalil Institute, if that's what yes, you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, part of Qalam, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't she's done um, like panels through the Qalam Institute, but I know she's part of the Khalil Institute, which is like a Muslim run yeah. mental health and wellness. Yeah. yeah. And she's also a professor at, oh, I forgot what university, subhanAllah. But they just founded like a mental health facility mm-hmm. um, for Muslims also. And it, it's just, and they talk about how the early founders of mental health health treatment were like in fact muslims and it's all inspired by islam and what you talked about the meditation that i mean we're taught to meditate to reflect all the time the rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to do it all the time and get in touch with nature go out like your your sunday hikes that you do you know um that's a form of therapy it's very very therapeutic and it's not only good for your mental health, but it's it's good for everything, like all over. And it keeps you, connects you with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because for the most part, we're all on our phones now. We're all on our whatever devices and, you know, watching TV on our laptops, working, everything. And, and especially now, a lot of people are working from home. So there's very little chance that we're out in nature experiencing Allah's creation you know, and, and that's one of the ways to get us in touch with him. And so mindfulness, muraqaba is very, very important. And to incorporate all of that into your life, you have to be, you have to first getting started is really hard, right? Like with anything, like going to the gym, the hardest part is to get started, um, is to actually go, but then it gets easier. So once you start developing these healthy habits inshallah it'll get so much better and you build muscle memory in the same way as well like you no one's perfect you're going to have times where you're not as disciplined maybe in some practices but you're able to pick it back up I also think of like khushu and salah because that's something that you know 
I don't know who I was talking to and they're like, anytime I forget something or I, I need to like remember where I put something or have a thought, if I go pray, I, the, like I can think of everything in life except to, to be able to be so focused in, in my salah. But the idea of khushu' is so important because you're supposed to step away from, and you know, subhanAllah, having the five daily prayers break apart our day to step away from our mundane, just kind of day-to-day things and essentially meditate because you're you're trying to close off your mind to everything that's going on the chaos the noise in the background and have that moment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but why haven't we been able to I don't know if it's culture but like we haven't been able to incorporate that or encourage that it's still so taboo to talk about mental health and to say like there's these practices that um, you know doctors and therapists can educate you about but people are still close-minded to it and Maybe institutes like the one you talked about is great because it can bridge, you know, the two to normalize those conversations and not make it feel like it's, you know, something's wrong with the person. Um, but it's just, it's so frustrating because I don't know, I imagine that's what they're doing. And I think that's such an amazing thing, but like how we could show Muslims that all of these great resources that they Find, they can also find it within Islam because I when I look for a therapist I look for someone who specifically deals with like um, faith-based therapy and it's not not in the sense of like because all of the therapists I've ever had were Christian but for me it was important that they believed in something because when I want to talk about how I like to um, process things and stuff like I want them to understand why spirituality is a big part rather than them like thinking it's it's not something that they can connect with yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just something that for me, I just wish we had so much more access to. We normalized it in our communities because people are suffering and like the youth are suffering, like younger kids are having a really hard time. Like you said, we're just on our phones a lot. We're distracted. And I feel like there's a bigger disconnect between parents and kids. And I'm talking more about like immigrant parents and their, and their kids more than ever. Um, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. I wish that we could in real time change that yeah yeah may Allah guide us all I think slowly but surely it is starting to change mm-hmm. um and I think that we need to like subhanAllah every time we stray away from the sunnah and the time of the prophet وسلم, we just dig a deeper hole for our ummah we need to go back to the basics we need to go back to, you know, the time the Prophet ﷺ was around until like what the golden age, I think, of Islam was the best time, the best time for Muslims where all around they were like excelling in everything, whether it's academics or mental health or, you know, just everything. Women's rights. Women's rights. Oh, that's that's a whole other topic. <laughs> a whole other topic that maybe we'll have like a part two I mean if you want if there's anything you want to say feel free to say it because I don't have one specific agenda of I I know you and I can just talk about anything and everything so I really didn't prepare like talking points or anything so there's something you'd like to say the floor is yours (laughs) honestly like it's it's nothing we don't already know yeah it's the same thing over and over just I know anyone listening to this will know what we mean. And especially when we talk about, um, you know, social media and the comment section and the double standards between a woman's comment section and a man's comment section. And I saw a video today. Is this like the really well-known Muslim social media influencer? And he posted a video and I believe like he was topless. Right. And so uh, he was wearing shorts because he was near a pool area and this girl comp- and makes a video and she's like, not one person men- mentioned his hijab in the comments. And she was like, and if a girl had a strand of hair, was showing a little bit of neck, the comment section would be filled with yeah. just, you know, people finding ways to um, comment on her modesty, but you don't see it with men. And yeah. she was kind of actually... Um, not challenging because she was like I support him and I like I I like who he is and I obviously don't have a problem with it but she she's like it would be interesting if people like him spoke out about the double standard because they can also say like you know what yeah I do recognize that I have this privilege where I can post this it's not an issue I don't get backlash I don't get hate comments I don't 
you know, get my stuff banned. But if a girl or a woman was to do it, then it's the complete opposite. SubhanAllah, it's so true, which is why I love your sticker from Noor's Nook. <laughs> You're out as showing. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and someone saw it and asked me about it. That someone is um, male. And, and he's like, what's this about? I don't get it. And I'm like, of course you don't. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. This is what women get told all the time. I cannot think of one woman that I know that didn't get told something that wasn't like being just made aware of something that was quote unquote showing, you know, of her aura, of her, hey, your hijab shouldn't, you know, your yeah. hijab should be this and should be that. And Listen, I'm not one to shun people away from like advice. Mm -hmm. If I know this person and if this person is someone I trust and I know would want good for me. But if you're someone I don't know, I've never met you in my life. And just because you follow me on social media or whatever, doesn't give you the right to say something like that to me. Um, if you are someone who there are people on social media, for instance, that I formed actual, like really good bonds with and genuine, genuine friendships with, um, and one time a sister private messaged me and she's like, Hey, this song is kind of questionable and it's inappropriate. I don't really know the songs nowadays. I just look up, you know, trending audio from reels and that's how, and then you relate it to your work and that's how you make it, I don't know, more relevant. But um, so she hit me up and she let me know. And right away, I'm like, you know what? Thank you so much for your advice. I will definitely be taking it down because that's not, my goal is not to spread like, you know, like fahisha or whatever. So from people like that, who I have a connection with, I appreciate it. And especially if someone approaches you privately. Mm -hmm. That's not the way you, you teach someone to do better, especially Islamically, is to publicly shun them. That's horrible. That's you never been the practice of no, Islam. No, never. Even with your kids, you learn that sunnah, like the sunnah style of parenting is to never publicly shame your kids, publicly scold them, do anything like that, pull them to the side, take them privately in, you know, the right time and um, talk to them the way that, you know, you, you kind of apply whatever it is you want to say to their personality. Like if, and just don't feel like you have the right to tell people you don't know something in a way that's, that could come off insulting. Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, I always say like delivery is half the message. It's how you deliver what you're trying to say or the advice that you give. And I just, I think that when people are going to the comment section or trying to publicly say something, they're looking for a reaction. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, again, you could maybe say it in a way that could still be respectful and maybe that person can take it. But the best thing is to, to advise them. And at the very end, the best thing you could do is just make dua, Allah hidihum. You know, if you really care about your Muslim brother or sister, you can say, you know, Allah hidiya, Allah hidina. So when you were talking about the, or going back to the double standard, I always thought, you know, um, UFC fighter Habib, right? He's someone who I think a lot of people uh, find is like a really good example of being a Muslim because of the way that he's been able to really practice his, his art and his sport but not really compromising his dean in the sense of like 
you can see the way that he talks about what kind of endorsements he will do when it comes to like alcohol and and he talks about his dean openly and all of these things but I always wondered like how different would it be if if a female was in a position because you know what's her name um it's Hajj Muhammad I've seen people comment on like her being in a sport in, in a specific sport or dressing a certain way that you know Muslim women shouldn't be boxers or uh, athletes because it, it puts them in a position where they might have to wear clothes that isn't an abaya um, and I've never seen anyone comment on the fact that well one is UFC, is UFC could be questionable because it's a fighting sport and two the way that they are dressed because the men are not and they're 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 showing their aura so and you see like again this isn't me um I don't have a problem with it like I, I know what's obvious but I'm not someone to like shame or you know point out but we we can obviously see that that's not right. And you see that there's like sheikhs and imams that are around these people. And that's great. But like, I question sometimes, would it look different if it was a female? Do females get the same kind of support as a male does when they're doing something that I think people would be quick to point out, like, that's not right for a woman. You know, she's not dressed in hijab. She's having to be in mixed settings. Whatever it is, it's just it's not right. Um, absolutely. Like, and before I I say anything, I I love both of them, mashallah. Yes. I love guide them and protect them, and you know, just because I think that both of these athletes are giving Islam such a like a, a wonderful image, mashallah. And yeah, you're right. They he he hasn't compromised as far as, you know, that which you spoke of and neither has she. And she's been such an amazing role model for women everywhere. And I know my girls love her. I love her. May Allah protect her and bless her and Habib, inshallah. And Habib is like, you know, my husband's a huge fan and we're, we're all huge fans of his. But for sure, there's a double standard mood, for sure. And um, while like you said, we're not shaming anybody, but we're just pointing things out. Like exactly, people have not been outspoken about his not, you know, wearing proper attire and covering his aura. Um, people have not, uh, I'm sure she has been attacked time and time again about it. And it's just, you, you see that happening throughout you know, anything, any, any industry, any field of um, work, anything like schools, whatever, if someone wants to be on the swim team, like a girl wants to be on the swim team. Oh my God, she better be wearing the right burkini or else. And I remember one time in the Olympics, there was like a Muslim team in like, I don't know, track and field or something like that. And they were covered from head to toe, but their clothes like you know fitted and and I mean form-fitting oh my god <laughs> the crazy comments the crazy comments like where do people get off insulting other Muslims not just oh you know what they're blah 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 is show or you know they're out of showing or whatever not even that which I don't think that's appropriate to to say stuff like that, but the insults they hurl at women is disgusting. It's disgusting. And there's, and no matter the intention, right? So even if your intention is no, well, I'm trying to give her good advice because that's my duty as a Muslim. Well, no, there's context to that. And also that's not the way you give good advice. Look it up. The Prophet never, ever did that. The companions never did that. So um, in order to give advice, you have to have a certain etiquette to it. And if the person is not receptive, so this goes on both ends. Um, and I'm going off on a tangent here. I feel like some people do reach out with the best of intentions and they give good advice and they, they convey it with the best delivery. And but the people getting this advice get defensive right away. And then I've seen this from a lot of social media influencers. They, um, they out these people, you know, that give them advice and give them advice in the best of ways. They totally put them on blast 
And I don't think that's okay. I really don't think that that's okay. I think you can say, hey, thank you for the advice. You know, I'll take it into consideration or just thank you for the advice. I appreciate you looking out. Um, but, you know, we have different opinions and end it. But to be like, how dare you give me advice? I'm going to put you on blast for all these people to see. And it's so... Like, it's not necessary. No. Why are we like that? Why are we like that? SubhanAllah. May Allah guide us all. It's really, really bad. But yeah, for sure, there's a double standard. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's just pointing out to people what is obvious because as a woman, I'm always like very hyper aware of the double standards because it, it just hits you in the face because you're just like, no one, no one sees that, like no one notices because I know if it was me, I know what kind of reaction I would get from that. And so it's just, I think we need to do better and we just need to be more, um, I think, equal in the way that we react to things and equal in the way that we support things. Because, you know, I think, I mean, if you're someone who has a large following and you're already pretty established, I imagine that the hate gets silenced by all the support. But when I see girls who are in the gym or doing really, you know, working on their fitness, trying to encourage other women and their page is like specifically made for women. Like why are men even on that page to look at it? Like they're trying to show women how to better themselves or whatever. And you see people in the comments always questioning or talking about what they're wearing, the moves that they're doing, all of these things. And again, it's just, if a guy was doing it, no one questions his tights, his short shorts, his belly button showing his belly button. Yeah. His belly button showing his his flexing, whatever it is, like there also needs to be a level of haya. And sometimes men don't have that either. Yeah. You know, just because it's, it, you know, you can show parts of your body doesn't mean that you still can't have haya in doing yeah. it. So I, like you said, it's such a, it's such a long, deep topic that we can go over. I wanted to know what your reaction was. Cause I just, um, you reminded me when we we're talking about the hijab and sports, but you know, with everything that's going on in France and the ban, and then I don't know if you saw recently, that post by Vogue France. I was shocked. I was like, I feel like almost in a way, this is just a microaggression towards Muslims because yeah, the, the right? specific wording yeah. was was way too much of a coincidence to say like, we love headscarves, like really? So what was your um, reaction? I'd, I'd like to know. My reaction was disgust. Uh, so ever since France has been aiming for us, I'm just like, France is trash. Like France is trash. I I am disgusted with France. I am just appalled. Like I don't ever want to go there or visit at all. And I think like, what a low blow. Are you serious? You guys are persecuting Muslim women for their hijab. And then you put this out there yay for the headscarf or whatever it is that the the headline said it's clearly a jab at muslims it's clearly a jab at muslims and even if it's not then it's like are you kidding like screw you yeah (laughs) sorry i don't know if you can include that in your i could definitely include that but yeah um it's it's just it's disgusting it's disgusting The things that people get away with, the the discrimination that people get away with, only because they pose as these like liberal, you know, feminist, what have you. And it's just, it it boggles the mind. I'm, I'm speechless. I know I've said a lot of stuff, but really I'm speechless as to like your mind just. It's frustrating. And I think that's why you know, sometimes feminism is a kind of a complex issue because when you're um, a Muslim woman or you're a woman of color and you realize that like this uh, feminism that was established, and I'm talking about like more of like the political movement that was established by white women in the West mm-hmm. doesn't, isn't like, um, inclusive. Isn't mal- it's not inclusive. It's not malleable to, to be able to fit different types of people And at the end of the day, like for me, I always just thought like feminism is about autonomy and choice and it doesn't shame or like think that no, only one type of woman or one type of practice is the most liberating. I've always thought like if a woman wants to be 
a housewife, if a woman wants to, you know, uh, let her husband do certain things, then like, that's her form of feminism. That's her choice because no one's going to fit into a bubble, but that's what it basically feels like to me, because it's like, if a white woman can choose to cover her hair because it's not for religious purposes, but it's a fashion statement, then that's okay. But as a Muslim woman, if I choose to cover my hair, because I feel like that's my way of feeling empowered and reclaiming the way that people view me and sexualize me, that's not okay. And, and this idea of like, you know, women go, and I, I don't, I don't judge anyone that wants to do any type of changes to themselves or, or their body, but like this idea that, you know, sexualizing yourself and, um, having that bodily autonomy to, you know, talking about, uh, what websites like OnlyFans that give people the, the ability to basically sell their themselves or like, you know, videos or pictures or whatever of themselves. And people think that that's a very empowering. I don't understand how that could be empowering, but a woman doing the opposite isn't. It's almost like you have to be very, I don't even know what, how to phrase it, but in, if it doesn't fit the most progressive kind of uh, standard, which is like, you know, free the nipple, you know, do this, do that. It's like, nothing else is considered progressive or seen as um, a personal choice or a woman's choice because at the end of the day we are influenced by like capitalism and beauty standards and women are out there spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars rearranging their face and their bodies to fit or to look a certain way and people still want to say like well the hijab and covering up is you know the patriarchy telling women what to do. We don't believe that women should cover their faces or do all of these things. Well, and then in that case, you can you can apply that to really anything that women do, really anything that men do. Why do we buy the type of clothes that we do? Why do we style the clothes a certain way? Why do we want certain cars and nice things? Like we're influenced by many things at the bottom line, but let people be influenced by what they want to be influenced. Yeah. Let them make yeah. that choice. Well, that's funny because I think the hijab worn for the right reason is actually the biggest loudest form of feminism there is because you're essentially freeing yourself from societal expectations whether that's like expectations by men or women alike and you are only submitting to god you're only submitting to allah and so you're like this is my hijab because i believe that my creator is the only one that has any say over what I how I look like not you not men who have for as long as we can remember sexualized women and not women who are aiming to do things you know and I'm talking about the western feminist movement too for their own agenda mm-hmm. and so like I free myself of all of that and I only submit to Allah do you, do you find it hard identifying as a feminist? Um, I think. Or that title, I guess I should say. Yes, because when people think feminist now, they think like man hating, you know, take off all your clothes, pro-abortion kind of like um, concept. And I feel like that needs to be redefined maybe have like a whole different other term for it I don't know but to me a feminist is someone who only ascribes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who is you know kind of like you meet in the middle you know so we're not completely anti-abortion but we're not completely pro-abortion at the same time and we we just my form of feminism is being proud of who I am as a woman per Allah's standards and what he gave me, the freedom and the liberty that he gave me that I don't need to get from men or other women, mm-hmm. you know? And this is what we need to go back to is study our role as women and you know our rights as women and demand those because Allah is the one that gave it to us Allah is the one that gave us these rights so 
who are you to kind of restrict me to something or to to tell me that I'm allowed to do all these things except cover up because that's not that's you know the patriarchy and whatever no we don't cover up because of the patriarchy it's it's like have you even spoken to hijabis to make that sort of assumption mm -hmm. so that's why inclusivity is important I think in uh, spaces where people are you know pushing like especially political social agendas I think that um for me, like the way I've always viewed feminism, and I have a very difficult time when I when I call myself a feminist, just because I feel like I need like little asterisks next to it to just let people know, like, hey, because I don't even know when I say, oh yeah, I'm a feminist. I don't know what kind of feminism they're thinking of, if and it might not be the one that I'm thinking of. But to me, it's just the idea that women have have been historically oppressed, um, and at the end of the day, they are human, just like man, and they should have the choice to do whatever it is that they want to do. And yeah. they can use their religion, their or lack of religion, whatever it is to make those choices that fit best for them. Yeah. And to me to somehow like, even what you were describing, like, you have the right to do that for yourself, because that's what you see fit. As Muslims, especially living in a non-Muslim country, we would never impose our own beliefs or feel like that that should be the law of the line, the law of the land, the way that a lot of Christians tend to push, you know, their religious beliefs into policy. We we don't want to do that. And, you know, we're the ones that like people get afraid of like Sharia law that somehow we're going to take over. I'm always like, I find that mo like the most influential religion in the country is Christianity when it comes to policy, yeah. when it comes to abortion, when it comes to gay rights, when it comes to anything, they utilize that. And I, again, you can have any belief that you want. But at the end of the day, it's everyone should have a choice. Yeah. And that's essentially okay. what it's about. It should be about choice, whether you choose to cover up, whether you choose not to, whether you choose to, you know, and, and, oh, um, I am so against this whole, like, man hating. Mm -hmm. um, Men are trash. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like from one extreme to another how are you better than like the the extreme right when you when you think that I sometimes think about like how bad or like the traumatic experiences people women might have had to face to see that like yeah. you know when I look at um I, I don't have the statistic in in my head but I think any woman can tell you that if she has never been harassed or sexually assaulted she knows someone it doesn't take many uh people to 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 get your like many degrees of people to know someone it's it's so common and so I think that it's it's those type of experiences that make women cynical of men yeah um but it's never a good thing and I think as Muslims we're never supposed to generalize nothing ever came nothing good ever came from generalization that's where the the genocides and and massive oppression and slavery and all of that stuff came from that um so I agree with you. It's not a good thing. I just, I wish we could, I don't know, learn the under, like, aside from it's a trendy and it's cool, you know, to say those type of things, but like really understand the root cause of like, why do women feel like they genuinely are either scared or like completely resentful resentful of men yeah exactly so I mean it's an interesting topic um I wanted to pivot to one last point um and then I have a few questions I've been doing this thing I did it with my last guest but I have a few questions that I kind of want to ask every guest to kind of close off but we were talking about mental health we were talking about going out in nature and like you you know uh reflecting on Allah's creation you've obviously created books that specifically kind of deal with that and targeting kids so is what's kind of coming up with uh your um children's book line and are you still kind of connecting towards um that or can you just talk a little bit more about that when it comes specifically to kids so you know that like each one of my books is Allah's name certain attribute, right so the mm -hmm. second one highlighted al-khaliq 
And that my aim with that is to try to connect these kids to Allah's creation and to let them know that Allah made everything that you see in the world for us. Like what a great gift that is. And even the things that are, you know, the ugly bugs and the, the things that seem, um, I don't know, destructive maybe are for our benefit. And um, so in each book, I am trying to connect them with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through, you know, whether it's his love, whether it's his creation, whether it's him being constant and all knowing of everything that's inside and out of us. And, and that's my hope. My goal is to hopefully create this strong connection between these kids and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to a point that it makes them more confident in who they are and more confident in it, it increases and strengthens their reliance on Allah and their tawakkul on Allah. I mean, I'm not a parent yet. And I think, you know, I'm keeping my little, you know, gradually growing my collection for, for the future, because I think so many parents, and I'm sure you hear this, but are going to be so grateful to have something like that, because it's grow, you know, raising kids in the West is already hard in a non-Muslim country and not having things that they could connect with. Yeah. Um, I mean, we never had that. I, I, I don't know if I, I think I've shown you before my niece's book shelf because it has your books and they have so many books about Ramadan and not just even just Dean, but about diversity and hijabis in, in diverse spaces and all of these things. And I think it's just such an amazing thing what you're doing and the contribution you have towards that. Like Jazakallah Khair, I think it, you are doing something that inshallah is a sadaqa jariya that's going to you know, inshallah, benefit you in this dunya and akhirah because I, I truly think that when we work with youth at a young age and establish that for them, it just helps them so much more as they yeah. get older, deal with life. It's yeah. more than just this idea of you need to be a good Muslim so you don't go to hell, you know? Yes. Allah is watching you, you're going to go to hell. But to learn about his mercy, his rahmah, to learn about his creation, to learn about his love for them is going to be so beneficial for them. So Kids are going to be reading this book. They might not even know who you are in, the, in, in you know, years and years and years from now, but they're going to be so impacted by that. So I hope you know that. Inshallah, Ya Rab. And that makes me so happy to hear. And um, I think, alhamdulillah, the support that's been pouring since I started this journey has been indescribable to me. It's, it's just priceless. And at the end of the day, I'm hoping and praying that Allah accepts my efforts because you know, you do all of this for his sake. You don't do it for the money. You don't do it for anything. And, and like you said before, I think in our last one, it's, it's okay to want to make a living from these things, you know, and I'm all for that. But if I don't, inshallah, my investment in my akhirah is, you know, much, much better. And, but you're still, I'm always apprehensive that Allah is not going to accept what I do, you know, so I'm always renewing my intention every single day every single week I'm renewing my intention with every post that I you know put out there on Instagram like you know this is for you ya Allah and this is you know I'm just trying to teach some people some things about Islam and even if my books make a difference in one child's life then I'm good I'm good may Allah accept all our efforts inshallah it's it's what you're doing with this podcast too Noor like you're you're highlighting Muslim women from all over and sharing so much like a wealth of knowledge for people and it's it's very very um, important it's very important to have so may Allah accept your efforts as well inshallah I mean I mean I'm just happy and lucky to be able to do this and meet all the women it it motivates me I think on a consistent basis so Alhamdulillah okay so. Uh, my last few questions, I don't like to share them because I just kind of want to get your initial response to it and see what is, it's kind of like a, what do they call it? A speed uh, round or whatever. Yeah, like a quick, sh- uh, no, it's like shot. I don't know, but okay, let's do it. I'm just going to shoot them at you and you just, you know, obviously take your time to think about it, but whatever comes to mind. So um, what is the the best advice or your most favorite advice anyone has ever given to you? Oh, 
they're deep. Mm. Yeah, you can't do this to me. Uh, <laughs> the best advice anyone has ever said to given me. Oh my God. Or that you've heard maybe, it maybe it wasn't given to you, but you heard it in like a clip. Uh, maybe it's really just to not like expect the worst, but hope for the best kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, not in so many words, but just have, have hope and fear and balance that out in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we can't just think, oh, Allah's the most, most merciful and I'm just going to be forgiven for everything. No, but like have some, you know, apprehension in that, well, what if you're not? So that keeps me motivated to like keep striving to do better. Aqil hawatawakkal, right? Yes. Tie your camera. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Oh, what's your favorite quote? or saying it could be uh, an ayah from the Quran it could be just a general quote but what's your I know I have to go with Surah Al-Fajr the last four ayahs um A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna irja'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyah fatkuli fi ibadi wa tkuli jannati oh my god that puts so much peace in in my heart in like literally my heart like I feel it getting fuller and fuller every time I hear that and I get chills every time you know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you you just start to imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you oh you know content um soul like come you know enter enter this jannah enter my kingdom and be with the ones you love and be with the righteous people and be with me and you're what better what what more can you wish for you know yeah that word tamatnia is is very meaningful to me because again when I was telling you about this concept of like peace and contentment yeah um it's been kind of the cornerstone of a lot of my du'as is to just have that inner peace and yeah. you know who better to give it to you than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so uh what's your favorite book maybe it's a recent book or all-time book I don't and- have favorite all-time I have a, a quite a few favorites and if I don't know if you know me you know I love Islamic nonfiction but there was one in particular that I recently read called Mornings in Janine and it's about Palestine it's about a Palestinian family it follows them throughout like four generations and it talks about you know pre-1948 until present day and what a beautiful yet heart-wrenching story that is and I encourage all of you guys to read it mornings in Janine it's it'll educate you big time on what's going on in Palestine I love that okay what's your favorite um way to either practice self-love or um, self-care self-love or your favorite item that is like for self-care so okay um I love reading I love writing um, I think my biggest thing is to self-care for me is to constantly connect your soul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to strive to strengthen that connection. And I find that through um, as cliche as it is, like reading books about Allah and reading the Quran. Um, but another thing I love to do and some of you, the Haram police may come at me for this one, is karaoke with my friends. Like I love that. I love karaokeing with my friends. Um, we just rent a private room and we sing our hearts out. And if you know how to sing, if you're a good singer, you are not invited because <laughs> you can't show us up. <laughs> we need really, really bad voices. Tone and- deaf and everything. Yes so much fun so now I have to ask because I'm curious but like what's your go-to karaoke song do you have one? Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody of yeah. course of course anything 80s 90s we're we're here for it so I don't like to sing because I do not have a singing voice so I, I'm assuming I'd be invited but I actually really love doing more like rap so my favorite song to do karaoke to is Changes by Tupac oh my god one of my favorites one yeah. of my favorites so that's like um, my go-to. Uh, let's let's do it together, and then Gangsta's Paradise after yes. that. <laughs> I'm invited to our next one. Awesome. Um, I love karaoke, so that's I'm I'm down for that. And then the last question is, something you would say to your younger self, or like advice you would give to your younger self. What would it be? Um, take it day by day. 
and leave it to Allah. Honestly, there actually, there are so many things, like I could journal about this, so many things. Um, be proud of who you are, you know, um, don't, don't, don't be ashamed, don't hide yourself, don't hide your true self, and just mainly take it day by day, everything's going to be okay. Allah will take care of you, he's got you. I love that, and I hope that, you know, that touches some younger girls who maybe needed to hear that. Hiba, you're a beautiful soul. I love that all of your answers are, except the karaoke one, it was always like some connection to God. I think that that's super inspiring um, because I'm I'm on a journey. I'm still on a journey. I'll forever be on a journey to work on that, you know? And so um, I really appreciate you just kind of sharing your insight and um, your, I guess, life practices or life views, your perspective of the world. It's been super enlightening and I love it so thank you oh, it's always good to talk to you honestly we need to meet up in person it's I thank know. you so much for having me and for always inviting me and I'm you're sure always welcome here are sick of me no you are always welcome here I honestly like it's not even a second thought when I think about having you because it's just it's going to be a good conversation every time and we could talk about anything so Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.